Hello, and welcome to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. I'm Isla Garcia, Master's Degree of Nutrition Science and Registered Dietitian, and I'm going to make weight loss realistic, sustainable, and uncomplicated for your busy lifestyle. On this podcast, me and my team of registered dietitians will decipher the latest nutrition research, dissect fad diets, and discuss social media trends for you so you can feel confident knowing what to eat to achieve your health goals. Research suggests that most weight loss programs aren't successful, but my experience has taught me that this is not because the participants aren't committed. It's because those diets are designed by non-nutrition professionals and center around severe restrictions. We are here to provide the facts about the science of weight loss so you can have the success you want and continue living your best life. Welcome back to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. It is Isla, your founder, CEO, and host of our podcast. Today, I have on team member Sarah, who kind of works a little bit behind the scenes for us and a lot. You'll know her face if you log on to Millennial Living, and she's going to talk to us another part two about how to save money on um, groceries or when you're cooking or just at home in general about food. So thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. Thanks for having me. Excited to be back always. Yeah. So, um, you make a lot of videos for us, all the food demos. And, um, every time I watch them, you always have like a little, like fun little item. You're like, and then here's this little mold or this. So that's <laughs> kind of where this idea came from. I was like, Sarah needs to come on and talk about the, these things, um, with this topic. Um, so kind of starting off with our article, I'm pulling it up now. So a very, just like basic general article from time about why grocery stores food is just so expensive right now. Um, some kind of like initial thoughts I had, I mean, of course it's really sad. And I also want to be mindful of the audience that we're talking to, right? Like the audience we're talking to are working millennials, um, not people having to really go to food pantries and stuff like that. I know that's a very big concern for another part of the population, but the part of the population we're kind of talking to are people that it are working and it's annoying, but we're not like super scraping by, but just kind of keeping that population in mind. Did you have any kind of like immediate thoughts about, about the article as a whole or just like increasing prices? one of the women featured had like four or five kids and she had like a $2,000 grocery bill a month, which is so crazy. But yeah, like food prices are going up. They're going up in the home. Like if you were to buy groceries and they're going up at restaurants, of course, it's a little bit higher at restaurants. And we always see that and that's natural, but they're going up at home. And so I saw, I looked at the actual research, what the USDA says and food prices um, they're 10.4% higher than they were in December, 2022. As That's right so recent. Now. I feel like that should say like 2020, but no, yeah. it's 22. And so from December, 2021, they're 11.8% higher. Like the food groceries that we buy are 11.8% higher. And really every category of food is being affected. Like everything. It's not just the eggs that everybody's making a commotion about. It's Things like cereals and bakery, actually, interestingly enough, like beef is the least affected right now. And I don't know the reason behind that. Um, I could speculate, but things like oils and poultry, cereals, bakery products, grains um, and dairy, like everything's going up again, like in that 10.4%. And then the USDA does say like food prices are going to like the inflation is going to slow down, but this is not a very good quote from them, but it says in 2023, all food prices will are predicted to increase 7.1 more percent. <laughs> so in this year, it's not going down. 
um, but it's going to be slower. So that's good to know, I guess. Um, I mean, it makes me very thankful that we live in a country that has a really abundant food supply, right? Our farmers are have made it so our food is really accessible and attainable. Um, and we can go in a grocery store and really find anything we want at any time. So um, I think we're we're spoiled in that. So we really notice when our food prices go up, right? But we probably still pay less than other countries for our food. Yeah. No, I think that I was reading too that um, I, cause I didn't fully understand why it's like all going up either. Um, and it said on there too, that like some of the reasons is like the war in Ukraine is kind of it, causing things, which I think what I keep hearing that they're the breadbasket of the U S right. Like we get a lot of grains and stuff from them. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. Consumer spending, like the more we spend, the more prices are going to go up just because they can charge more, um, supply chain shortage that we're still do- dealing with from 2020 unstable weather patterns. Um, and yeah, there was a really cool chart in that article. I'd encourage people to kind of go look at, cause it even, yeah, it talked about too, like all the jumps, um, since back then too. Um, and some of the other specifics of why things were going up were that, um, butter, it says like extreme heat and the smaller herds because of 2020, um, pork prices are really increasing because of the cost of labor, which I totally get to. Cause I know when we went on our sweet potato thing, the sweet potato farmer was kind of talking about how the prices of labor was going up for him too. Um, mm-hmm. and that uh, when I was reading all this too, I was like, oh, but it doesn't say anything about fresh produce, but it did say fresh produce is also going up too because <laughs> of weather patterns. So, um, it is sad. It is hard, but, um, I just did an episode with Lacey that everybody should go listen to because a lot of the things we can do to save money also can sometimes help or help us to be healthier. So I'm excited to kind of talk about that today. Whenever I first kind of was asking about what did you think we could do to save money on groceries or food spending in general, what are the kind of the top things that you thought of off the bat? Yeah. So I know your, your episode with Lacey, um, focused on how to save money before you get the groceries in your house. Like mm-hmm. you're probably cooking at home more. So do everything we can to save more money that way. But once it's in our house, what do we do? And how do we avoid wasting food? Um, because we money that we spend on food that's not eating is just money spent, um, right? So we might not even be saving money if we're wasting food. And Um, most of the food waste in America happens in kitchens, uh, in our kitchens, you know, it doesn't happen just on the farm or in the grocery store. Like we see it's happening in our kitchens really. So I'm going to talk today really about like how to maximize your food dollars and how to make the most out of the money that you just spent at the grocery store, because I know you just spent a lot. Um, I have like four things that I do in my kitchen, in my life that help me get the most bang for my buck. Um, and the first one, it's it's nothing to do with um, food, but I have, I recently got a grocery rewards app, like a receipt app that I can upload my receipts to when I go grocery shopping and I get points every time for uploading. And if I buy special products or whatever is on sale um, on the app, then it'll give me points. And um, when I hit a certain amount, like 10,000 points, I get a $10 Amazon card or a $10 Target card or whatever. Um, and so I plan to use that, I guess, hopefully on food and not just as pocketing money, but hopefully to put that back into the next grocery bill. So yeah, I think that'd be a good idea. And you can link everything like your Amazon to it. So anything you buy online, anything you buy in the store, gas, if you get a, um, a receipt there, like uploading it there and just 
trying to maximize that money that you just spent, right? Um, so I'm excited to cash in my points for a gift card soon. And that I was going to go to the grocery store and have receipts anyways. So I think that's a cool um, tool that we can use. The second one, and stop me at any point when you have any questions, but the second one is really talking about like, how do we store our food and how do we make it last longer? Because everybody, regardless of who you are, including me, who is trying to be really on top of um, not letting things go to waste, I still have things in my fridge right now that are actively <laughs> not uh, not getting any fresher. And so how do we keep those things really fresh and um, enticing to use so that we don't waste money? I know I really like in my kitchen, I freeze a lot and I really just utilize my freezer. I have a freezer in refrigerator built together, but I also have a chest freezer. So mm. that's an, another reason why I use a freezer. I know not every American has that, but we do. And I think it's a good investment if you're going to use your freezer a lot, or if you want to buy things in bulk and or you're feeding a large family, I definitely think it's a good investment because I love my freezer. Um, and so some tools before we talk about freezing, some tools that I think are really helpful are like silicone molds that we actually have a blog article on published about a month or two ago that I really like to use. Um, if you've ever seen like baby food, mine that I use are actually kind of like baby food molds. Um, I I have a child and I actually never made baby food. I made it for like a month. And it came with silicone molds that I could make purees, put it in the mold and then pop the purees out. Well, now I just use it for freezing things. Um, so I actually really like those or like ice cube trays. And I like the silicone because you can just pop the things out really easily and um, they're really easy to clean. So we've linked some of those like different sizes that we like. Um, some other tools you're going to want to have when you're freezing are freezer bags. So like generic brands or like Ziploc bags. Some I really like to freeze freeze things in glass containers or like glass jars, like basin jars, uh, or even just like leftover pasta sauce jars, a glass jar with a lid um, to freeze. You don't have to have anything fancy, but I do like to freeze in glass. Um, it keeps the quality a little bit better. And some people think there's an altered taste like when they freeze and that might be so, but we can kind of try to keep that original flavor by using some best practices. And I think freezing in glass or freezing. Um, we want to try to remove the oxygen when we're freezing things and air, excess air, because um, then that will keep like that original flavor. So before we're freezing, we always want to think about what we're going to use that food for in the future. So yes, you probably, if you made like a whole pot of soup, you don't want to just freeze the whole pot of soup as it is, right? You're not going to be, well, most likely you're not going to reheat the whole thing to eat it another time. You might um, eat it for lunch the next day. So serving it or freezing it in individual portions is um, what I like to do most often. So thinking about how you're going to use that thing after. If you're freezing it, are you realistically, when you thought, are you going to use it all at one time again? So just thinking about that. Um, and then again, like when we're freezing, we want to try to remove a lot of the moisture from the product. And so whether that product is like something you just cooked, um, like meat and rice, 
or if it's blueberries. Like we want to try to think about how we can take the moisture off of that item um, and, and freeze it. And then when we freeze it, we want to try to make sure there's no extra oxygen floating around in that bag or in that um, container because oxygen and moisture lead to a frost, um, a freezer burn. So do you and have to have like just- a method for like going through all of it though? Cause I'm always afraid that I'll like put a bunch of stuff in the freezer and then like leave it forever and then get freaked out by like how long it stayed in there and then like not know when it's like ready to eat. Like, how do you deal with that part of it? Or are you going to go over that? So yeah, if you honestly, if you're a label person, put a label on it, but if you're not a label person, then get a piece of scotch tape and put it on the container. And so you could just easily remove it after, um, with the name of what it is, because sometimes when you freeze things yeah. and you find it like six months later, you can't find, figure out what it is exactly. <laughs> yeah. Um, cause you just forgot and yeah. the name of what it is and the date of when okay. you freeze it. Um, and if you wanted to like the time you want to eat it by or things can stay in the freezer and they really can stay in the freezer indefinitely. Um, oh. but says the USDA, but for quality, you want to eat it within a year. Right. Mm. Um, and so even less than that for like higher quality. Um, so you can freeze leftovers, you can freeze fresh things, things that you buy that are already frozen, you know, it will keep indefinitely, but you want to try to be cognizant of using it. So yes, labeling, and then maybe keeping an inventory of what's in your, um, freezer and your pantry. So if that means, like a paper inventory that you put on your freezer that you just tape on the side. Um, that's a good practice too. So we can jump right into like some products that we find sometimes in our kitchen and how to store those, how to keep them fresh long for longer amounts of time. And then what to do if they go bad, if you want to. Yeah, I think that'd be good. We have some client, I mean, some audience questions that it looks like would be addressed if we kind of go over that. So mm-hmm. tell us what we need to like have on hand to kind of get this process going, I guess. So one thing is herbs. I don't know about you, but like fresh herbs. Um, I love to have them in my kitchen, but I just never use all of them in time. And so things like cilantro and chives, things like that, of course we try to use them up, um, but to keep them fresh longer. So in, in my mind, things that have a stem, I want to just like fresh cut flowers. I want to put them in a glass of water. And we want to try, and this goes for all fruits and vegetables. We want to try to keep that moisture off. If Mm. you keep moisture off of that thing, it will last longer. So again, with the um, herbs, not washing them, but maybe putting a paper towel around them, um, putting things like cilantro, chives, basil in a glass jar. Um, And so they can actively, you know, still drink water. So maybe cutting the stems and putting them in water, just like you would fresh flowers, all herbs you can put in the fridge, um, except for basil. It loves just to sit on your countertop. It doesn't like to be cold. So, um, or keeping it in the container it came in and the same kind of um, space it came in. So if you got it in like the open air um, part of the market, just kind of keep it somewhere relatively like that. Things like rosemary, like, like things that are really hearty, just keeping a paper towel in a bag and try to get all that oxygen out, right? By like squeezing the bag not as much as a vacuum sealer, but try and get some of that oxygen out and you'll see that they'll last for a really long time. Mm. Um, and if they do go bad, you know, I always, um, 
I have frozen them in ice cubes. So like cilantro, I'll just chop up or keep it whole. I'll wash it, keep it whole and then put it in an ice cube. And that really keeps it it fresh. So I'll put that in like a salsa that I make later. I'll thaw it, make sure all the water's off of it. And then I'll put it in a salsa and it tastes like fresh cilantro. Um, you can always make pesto and you can freeze pesto. Mm. And then um, sometimes when I have things like rosemary and thyme and parsley, I'll just lay them for, I'll just let the oxygen do its thing and dehydrate them naturally. So, um, but you can look up how to do that. Another one is fresh ginger and garlic. If you don't happen to get to it, you can always, you can actually freeze the whole thing of garlic or um, ginger, like the whole knob. And you can just microplane as you need the garlic actually. And it's exactly the same as it would be fresh. So you can just throw the whole knob in the freezer. Mm -hmm. Um, But another thing I did the other day is I had it in my fridge before I knew about the freezer trick. I just um, zested or microplaned like one tablespoon portions of the garlic or the ginger in like tablespoon dollop forms. And I put it on a plate and I put it in my freezer. And so now I have like little pucks of ginger or garlic. So next time I'm sauteing those things, I don't have to break out the microplane and do all that. I have it in my freezer that I can just throw in the pan. Berries are a big one. So again, trying to keep moisture off of things. We don't want to wash berries before we're really eating them unless, you know, like if you prepped on a Monday, they probably need to be eaten. The quality is going to go down by like a Wednesday if you're washing them. So they're not going to last all week if you wash them in your fridge. Um, So yes, keeping produce clean and available, but maybe don't expect it to last uh, multiple days. So um, if you do wash it, just try to get all that water off. Um, something I do is I use a container and I put a paper towel down at the bottom in, in at the top too, if you wanted to, um, and put that washed clean, dry fruit in there. And so that paper towel will just wick all of that moisture off and, and keep it good for longer. If berries do go bad, you can freeze them whole. Or like if you're on going on vacation and you've still got strawberries in your fridge, the same thing you can clean, wash, and then cut the tops off of strawberries, put them on a plate or a pan in your freezer. They'll freeze hard. Um, and then when they're frozen after like not even a day, just throw them in a freezer bag. And so that way they're not all sticking together and you can just easily put those into a smoothie or bake with them or, you know, throw those berries in a pan with a little bit of sugar and make like a fruit sauce, or you could put that fruit, like cut it up and put it in an ice cube tray and with some water. And so you could have like a fun fruity Mm. ice cube, do that as your berries go bad. Do you mean like bad? Like, I feel like I get a lot from clients that say like they're moldy. Like we shouldn't know that if it's moldy, right? Like, what do you mean if it goes bad, but it's still usable? Mm -hmm. Like if it's like dried out? Yeah. Um, so if it's moldy, don't eat it. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and you know, you could go through your berries as soon as you get them home. And if there's like a moldy berry in there, take it out. If it, mm-hmm. anything that the mold is touching, um, cause that happens. Yeah. Anything that the mold is touching right then and there, when you get home, if you take that out, all of the rest of the berries are not going to go bad as fast, but berries over time will get softer and they will get drier, which is fine. Um, they're, they're still fine to eat. Um, if you feel comfortable with it, but what sometimes we waste when we're 
just left with excess. And like mm-hmm. I said, we're going on vacation or, oh yeah, you know, whatever happens. And so it could be at any point, right? They could be, you just know you're not going to use them or maybe you bought a bunch of fruit because it was on sale for all different reasons. So anything that's not moldy is good to eat. Um, so again, you would wash it, dry it, put it on a pan, throw it in your freezer and then transfer that to a Ziploc freezer bag. Bananas are a big one. Bananas, yes, they do go bad um, or they start to brown uh, faster than most fruits. Mm -hmm. And you don't put them in the fridge. You keep them on your countertop. If you put them in the fridge accidentally, you'll see that they start to get brown faster. Mm -hmm. One thing that you'll probably, now that I say it, you'll mention, you'll see in grocery stores is they wrap the tops of bananas. And that's for purpose. That keeps um, the banana from making as much of that ethylene gas. And so to slow down the ripening, so you could wrap when you get those bananas home, you could wrap the tops of the bananas. Another thing, you know, if you're buying bananas to last a whole week, um, maybe buy a mixture of not so ripe bananas to riper bananas at the store. So there's always like really green bananas, which means they're not ripe. They're going to take some time, maybe a week to ripen. And then there's more yellow. And then there's the ones that are already on their way to be brown. Um, and so maybe buying a mixture of those, right. If you're trying to eat them all week or all for two weeks, even, um, I would say that's the best like planning ahead. And then they're not going bad, but they're just getting brown. So when a banana's brown, it's the sugar is actually higher. Like the the sugars kind of change. And so they're sweeter on our tongue, which makes for great like banana bread. So that's why when we think of like brown bananas, they're ready for banana bread. Um, but they're ready for smoothies or anything mm-hmm. like that. So what I do with the banana is I used to just throw, throw it in my freezer whole, but then I would have to take a whole banana out and it was brown and I had to thaw it and it was gross. So I actually take it out of its skin and I either cut it up yeah. into pieces and chunks, or I will freeze the whole banana in like a whole container dedicated to bananas because bananas die in my house. And so they go to my freezer And then um, I'll just pull out chunks of banana as I want to make a smoothie. Or if I'm making whole banana bread, I'll just pull the whole bananas out. And that's like super simple with bananas. But you have to remember to make the banana bread. (laughs) Do you love our realistic approach on nutrition but want to dive a little bit deeper? Let me tell you about the Millennial Living Membership Program. This was designed to help you stay motivated and inspired no matter what health journey you're on. We develop monthly nutrition and fitness challenges with prizes you can win if you stick with it to help motivate you through every month. To inspire you, we upload weekly recipes with downloadable food lists, monthly food demos, and we can even have a registered dietitian answer your questions on nutrition and weight loss. Our members form a community with other like-minded people to help support each other on their health journey. If you are seeking a way to stay motivated throughout your health journey with our method in mind, try signing up for the Millennial Living Membership Program for the first two weeks free by signing up on our website at themillennialnutritionist.com. Lettuce is another big one. Yep. Whole lettuce. Again, we just want to like remove that moisture. So put a paper towel or a paper paper towel or like a rag around things and try to pull that moisture off, put it in a bag itself, try to keep that oxygen low. And then you could put it in a crisper in your fridge 
our age, like we use a lot of cut lettuce, like pre-bagged lettuce and greens, not just like a whole head of lettuce. So oftentimes, you know, they'll come in like a plastic container um, or a bag, but if they come in a bag or a container of those greens, you can look at it and it's usually clear, but you can look at it and um, you can see moisture in there. Like you can see some water and some condensation, which is normal. It's coming from the lettuce, you know, it's a natural product. But um, taking that container and putting a paper towel in the bottom or on the top. And sometimes if I have a container, I'll put a paper towel at the bottom and on the top and I'll maybe flip over the container. So all that water mm. pulls into the paper towel and just try to get all the water um, off the bottom, like sitting up against the lettuce all the time. Because um, again, moisture equals less time in your fridge and less time to eat it. So trying to get all that off. So paper towels, meat. So you can freeze meat cooked or raw. And I like to do both actually. Um, but if you, let's say you're making spaghetti and you just make a huge batch or you just make spaghetti, well, and your family likes to eat it once a week, well, maybe think about cooking mm -hmm. a lot, like a really large batch of spaghetti sauce and and meat and sauce and putting those together and then freezing portions you know for next week so you don't have to cook all over again raw meat you can freeze that so if you buy meat in bulk or let's say you just don't get to it in time I like to freeze raw meat but always think about what's the use after right so sometimes I'll use whole chicken breast but most of the time I use cut chicken breast like in strips or in cubes so I'll cut it before I freeze it so that once it's thawed, I could just throw it into the dish that I'm making. Things like that, like cubed chicken, I'll mix with like teriyaki marinade or something. So I know in my fridge or in my freezer, I have marinated chicken ter with teriyaki sauce, and I just need some rice and vegetables for a whole meal, like easy, throw it together. Dairy, um, you can freeze milk and dairy products. Um, I wouldn't suggest freezing like a whole gallon of milk because again, when you take it out of your freezer, are you going to drink a whole gallon? You know, you're probably not. Um, so freezing it in small containers. So maybe you're going on vacation and you've got just like a half gallon left. Um, if you want to go ahead and put it in glass jars, put the lid on and freeze it, leave a little bit of room because, you know, when you freeze water, just like milk, if you water, um, milk is mainly water. So it's going to um, get larger. And so you need some space for it to expand. And so keep a little room at the top of that um, glass jar for milk. When Once you thaw the milk, it will like separate because milk is not just water. It's got some fats in there and vitamins and minerals and water. And so it will separate a little bit, but all you have to do is shake it back up or whisk it. Or if you don't want to drink it like that, it's already been frozen, you know, just incorporate it into a soup or something or into a smoothie. You can um, freeze cheese and cheese is fabulous at freezing like shredded cheese. I wouldn't um, freeze a whole block of cheese. Um, Cause once you thaw these things, you want to eat them within a, within a day or so. Oh, okay. Um, at least dairy. Uh, you want to kind of eat them within like on the spot or use them in some way. And so shredded cheese like is awesome. You can buy a whole bag of shredded cheese and just throw the whole bag in the freezer or shred your own cheese, whatever. 
I don't really recommend freezing yogurt. I guess you could. Um, I wouldn't eat it like fresh yogurt. I would use it in something like a smoothie. So um, you could, I guess, put a whole cup of yogurt or you could put it into like ice cube trays and then spin it into a smoothie whenever, you know, some like kids yogurt products are frozen. So it, it's not harmful to do. It's just, um, it probably is not the best to taste wise to eat it, mm-hmm. um, fresh like that after, but so. Or like eating it like a frozen dessert. What about that? Like, a oh, that would, yeah. I mean, there's frozen yogurt. So yeah. I bet you could like not thaw it all the way, keep it kind of frozen and then yeah. put some fruit on it. And that would be good. Mm-hmm. Juices. If you only have a little bit left, putting it in an ice cube form and just using that like in your water to flavor it up or some smoothies, you know, that's an easy way. And then one of my favorites is sauces. I always have like extra tomato sauce or tomato paste. Like that one's like renowned for being wasteful, right? We have a whole can of tomato paste and we only need a tablespoon for a recipe this is not my idea. This is the internet's idea, but taking that tomato paste that we don't use for that one recipe and then putting um, the rest of the tomato paste in like little one tablespoon portions, because usually a recipe will call for like two tablespoons, three tablespoons of tomato sauce or tomato paste and take one tablespoon, scoop out the tomato paste and put it on a pan and then freeze that again, like the garlic and the ginger, like in dollops. So now you have little pucks of one tablespoon of tomato paste. Um, That's such a good idea. Right? Yeah, because like I feel like I always, yeah, I'll get tomato paste and it's not that much, but it's so annoying. And I feel so wasteful, but I've never thought about that. That's a good idea. And it's great nutrition. Yeah. Um, and so we want to keep it and, you know, just throw it into things every once in a while. We need tomato. Um, but like tomato sauce, like a whole jar of sauce. I didn't use a whole jar of sauce one time. And so I just threw the jar into my freezer and I've got random tomato products in my freezer right now. So I'm going to combine them all to make some kind of sauce at some point. (laughs) Oh, that's Um, a good idea. Cause that one always molds for me. Like I'll leave because the expiration date's always so long, but then when I go back and use it after mm -hmm. a month, there's like a crust of mold on the top. (laughs) I'm like, what the heck? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, it's deceiving because tomatoes, tomato sauce, it does take a while to go bad. So you're like, oh, I'll just use it. And then- Yes, you have mold. But if you just throw it in your freezer in that moment, and then you'll just make some kind of frozen concoction with all of those frozen tomato products. Like if you're making a chili or yeah, a, a spaghetti sauce. Like it doesn't matter what it was before. Like marinara, things like that. Um, just freezing them. Sauces like um, like Alfredo sauce and creamy sauces. Um they're held together. It's a chemical reaction. And I know you know this from like food science class, but they're held together with um, like a gel formed from like the flour that's used and the fat and the heat. And so when you freeze that, that white or creamy sauce, and then you thaw it, um, you're going to see that break, right? And so it, it might not look as creamy as it did before, but you can just whisk it back or heat it up and whisk it and it should come back. It's not going to be as creamy and as like delicious as it was before, but you can absolutely freeze like creamy sauces and they're still safe to eat. So those are like the main things um, that go bad in our fridge um, and how to freeze them and what to do after. But once you freeze them and um, there's like 
just some safety items, like how to make sure you're reheating it safely and eating it. Um, so again, when we're cooking foods, each protein, like animal protein or product has like their temperature that they should reach. And you can just Google, you know, what should chicken, when I cook it, what temperature should it be to, you don't have to remember that stuff, even though as dietitians, like we, that was drilled in our head. Yeah. Um, and so we know it, but you definitely do not have to crowd your brain with that. So Google, you know, how, what temperature should I cook my ground beef to or my chicken or whatever. Um, so first of all, when you're cooking, just want to make sure you get it up to a good temp. And then when you're freezing, we want to make sure we're getting that moisture off and we're getting um, oxygen out, right? And so if we're cooking something, you know, there's going to be steam after. We don't want to put the top on and then throw it in our freezer because we're just capturing all of that moisture in there. And so the food that you're going to freeze, if you cook it and then immediately go to the freezer is going to be, it's going to have icicles and freezer burn on it. And it's not going to be high quality. So again, just safely cooking it and then cooling it. And so you could throw it in the fridge without the top on, or you could um, leave it out a little bit and let it cool down, then go to the fridge. Um, and then once it's completely cold, put it in the freezer. And then you can reheat and eat leftovers. Totally fine. If you like the flavor, um, some people say the flavor and taste does change. And I would just encourage people to try different things and try it in different ways and maybe use some of these best practices and maybe the flavor and the taste won't change. And maybe you like some things frozen and reheated and you don't like others. So it's, we just have to try, right? And but I feel like I wonder our- how much of it is like perception. Cause I, for a while thought like frozen seafood tasted bad until one day I went to the store and asked him if he could pull more shrimp out and he said it was all frozen and so I'm like does it all just come from the freezer anyway when they bring it out like is anything really fresh so I think yeah like what you're saying is a good because a lot of people do get grossed out by like thawing out stuff I don't do this but you can make something turn it into a leftover freeze it yeah thaw it out and then freeze it again um and that's fit safe I know oh okay I just, I mean, I've never had to do that, but I guess if you wanted to, like you can, you can do that. Um, okay. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do that really more than once or twice, but most things have been frozen at some point. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, but just reheating things to 165 degrees, like making sure they're really hot because you cooked it direct in the, in the right temp before you froze it. Right. So this is just getting them back up to temperature. And sometimes I'll, I'll do things in molds so that I can pop them right back into a freezer bag. Um, so some of, I put some of my favorite things to freeze for meal prep Okay, <laughs> um, that I do. So I, and I had to go to my freezer and check out my freezer and see what's in it right now. Um, but I love to cook right when I'm cooking. I think about if I can make extra in that moment and I could freeze it for another time. And so I always cook. I feel like we all do this, but we always cook more rice than we need and we have extra rice laying around. And so I cook a large batch of rice. We eat what we're going to eat for dinner or whatever in that meal. And then I'll freeze either in the container like it is or in that portion size, um, let's say like one cup of rice or two cups of rice, or I'll, um, and I'll just freeze it in a mold or I'll freeze it in that container. And then when I want rice, I'll just pop that container right back in the um, microwave or the freezer or the, I'll thaw it and then put it in the microwave. You can do either. 
I love, again, like meat, um, either cooked in single portions or raw in single portions, vegetables. I mean, I buy a lot of frozen vegetables, honestly, like I hardly eat. I would say I eat more frozen vegetables than fresh just because, mm-hmm. um, but you can always freeze vegetables. So if you're, if you have questions like a particular vegetable, you can just Google, like, how do I freeze broccoli? How do I freeze carrots, things like that. Um, cause not every vegetable is great frozen. Um, mm-hmm. like when you use it, it just won't be great after, but you can definitely freeze vegetables. And I do that a lot. Like if there's something's on sale or like a local farm had a bunch of broccoli this spring and it was delicious and I bought a bunch, but I, I froze most of it. So I blanched it, just putting it in really hot water, really cold water, and then took all that moisture off and put it in the freezer fruit. Like I always have extra berries laying around. I don't know why, but those last few berries are hard to finish sometimes. So I'll um, wash them, dry them, put them on the pan and freeze them and just put them to this. I have a whole bag of frozen fruit that I just make smoothies with. So put it into that bag. I do that with bananas. Like we said, I love to think about entrees and like making my own frozen meals. So if we're making, um, rice and stir fry one night, I'll go ahead and put a container of rice and stir fry and I'll put it in the freezer because I work from home and I just want a frozen meal that's already made. Um, so I don't have to think about making something for that. So I put like whole meals and whole entrees. Nuts, you can, if you, if they're not going to be eaten on the countertop for a while, you can put them in the freezer. I know like we always keep pecans in our freezer. Um, cause usually we get them fresh here in North Carolina and in Texas, which Texas is like the number one producer of pecans. Oh, okay. But then we have a lot of pecan trees in North Carolina. And so we always keep them in the freezer. I actually have done like whole sweet potatoes roasted. And then of course I'll cool them down and then I'll wrap them in like aluminum foil and put them in a bag and those keep in the freezer really well. Um, so I can just reheat and eat a whole frozen sweet potato. I make cookie dough. And again, if I make cookie dough, I'm going to make a big batch, roll them into individual cookie balls, right? And then throw them in the freezer. Or you, when you buy a pre-made cookie dough packet, like you could just throw uh, whatever you don't cook in the moment because you don't have to cook them all at the same time. Just put it in the freezer and individually. And so they're not sticking together. So you could just make yourself two cookies at one time if you wanted to. Um, so I always have cookie dough in my freezer. <laughs> So now you have a loaded freezer full of things (laughs) and you have to remember to eat them. So again, like um, an inventory of your freezer and writing a list, like a physical list and putting it on your freezer of what's in there, what date it has on it. Um, And then as soon as you pull something out, marking it off, keeping that like inventory. And then sometimes our freezer just gets too full and I'll try to like eat my way through the freezer or think of what I have in the freezer and what I can do to combine things and what kind of meals I can make out of everything. Uh, I just have to be intentional about that, right? Like I'm going to make some kind of tomato sauce thing with all the random tomato stuff I have in my freezer right now. And I have uh, frozen cooked ground beef, right? So I'm going to combine those and make a spaghetti sauce or something. Yeah. Cause Um, like, do you ever get bored? I feel like that's what a lot of people's and even my problem and my husband's problem is sometimes it's like, you know, sometimes you just get excited by new stuff at the grocery store. Is that just not you? And you just like love eating out of your freezer all the time or you just like combine it. (laughs) (laughs) 
well, there is something like really thrilling about not having to spend money. Yeah. And it's like, oh, this free meal, even though it's not free, but yeah. um, like I spent no money on this meal. Or if you can do that for a whole week, you can say like, I spent nothing on groceries that week. I mean, you feel like you're on the top of the world, but yeah, you need to tell that lady uh, the $2,000 bill. <laughs> uh, yeah. If you have ever looked and saw that you have like icicles or like freezer burn on things in your freezer. I mean, all that stuff can affect the quality of your food that you're freezing. Like you just spent all this time and money freezing things and you want to keep it high quality. So it really does last as long as it can. So trying to clean out that freezer every once in a while and then like unplugging it or getting all the ice away and just starting fresh. Um, I'm like preaching to the choir here because I've got to do that. But um, that's how to keep it high quality. And then something I do involving a freezer probably every month is I make like um, chicken broth or chicken stock. I don't know the difference between the two, but one has bones I, and one does not. That's what I learned. Ooh. I think. Yeah. I don't know which is which. Cause I look, cause at the store you buy broth or stock and I'm like, which is which? Well, whichever one has the bones in it <laughs> is the one I make. <laughs> um, I'll get like a rotisserie chicken or if we mm-hmm. make chicken with the bones, like in some dish, then I'll take the bones from that rotisserie or from that chicken dish. I'll take the bones and um, the skin if you want it sometimes, um, like on the rotisserie chicken, like just throw all that in there, make sure it's cool, cool down, put it in a freezer bag and then just keep it in your freezer until you have enough um, bones or, um, so vegetable scraps too. And if you didn't want to make chicken broth, if you don't eat chicken and you don't have chicken bones, <laughs> um, you can make vegetable broth. And so I do this probably once a month and I'll just keep a huge bag or two or three in my freezer, um, uh, where anytime I'm cutting an onion or celery or garlic or things like herbs that went bad that I want to put in a, in a broth later, I'll put that in that freezer bag. And then just once a month, I'll dump all of those scraps and bones into a crock pot and just let it cook on low for like a whole day um, or even longer, um, the longer, the better. And so bones, all those veggie scraps, um, I would, I would Google like which veggie scraps that you can keep or which you should not. Cause you, there's some veggies that just don't like lend themselves to doing that very well. Uh, but like celery, carrots, onions, so the tops and the bottoms of onions, the onion skins, um, garlic, like all the skin that comes off the garlic, the end of the garlic that you don't use in the dish, all of that stuff, throwing it all in to a crock pot, covering it with water, putting a little bit of vinegar. Um, I don't know if this is true, but the vinegar like helps break the bones down a little bit. And so you can get all of that um, like collagen out of um, the bones and the nutrients that are left in the bones. So really like trying to get our bang for our buck here. And, um, it's a thousand times better than the stock that you buy in the little container, um, at the store. And that's another thing that goes to waste a lot. I see is like when you buy that box, that 16 ounces of stock or broth, you know, sometimes the recipe only calls for like two cups Yeah, and you have like a lot more than two cups. And you can freeze the leftover stock too. Just put it in a glass jar, whatever you have left over. Maybe you want to make it into like a one cup portion, but one cup in a glass jar, glass container, freeze it, and then just use it again too. Yeah, no, this is really good. I I should probably do this. I'm so bad. I actually just use the powder. <laughs> Mix it with water. <laughs> like the boyon cubes. The little boyon cubes. Yeah. Cause yeah. No, they're easy. Yeah. 
I feel like and it doesn't go bad use, at least. I use the um better than boyon. Um, it's the paste. Oh yeah, the paste like too. Or chicken. Mm-hmm. But then I make broth too. But I don't know. Now that I make it, I have a lot of it all the time, and so oh. I just use it more too. So trying to get the most bang for our buck. We bought all these groceries. And we're going to try to use it and like build our own bodies and feed our own selves and our families. But sometimes like we, things just go to waste um, and they just need to be thrown away. But something I know that you do recently and something I've been doing for years is composting. And um, we could probably do a whole episode on composting, but really taking that, those leftover fresh things. So fruits, vegetables, um, some grains, nothing that's, um, got an oil or it's an animal protein is compostable. Um, and so digging into how, how to do that in wherever you live. And, um, like for me, I have a yard and I have a compost bin and pile that I can add to all the time. Um, and so that's different than someone who lives in an apartment. Um, so how, how do you compost? Yeah, I um, compost with using a service. And I actually did this when I owned a home too, because I lived downtown in Raleigh. So I still didn't have a really big backyard um, in both then and now, because now I live in an apartment. I actually paid a service. It was like $35, I think, for like both here and there for like $35 a month. And um, they just gave me a bucket. Um, and then I just put all my stuff. Um, another thing that's really like when I used to live in a home, it's nice because we just like filled up so much trash all the time and I'm awful about like freezing unlike you. So I would just, um, just go through so much produce that I didn't even feel like I would waste, but I just made so much with produce that I would have like, I mean, watermelon season. I mean, that fills up the trash can, like nobody's business. So, um, that would, we, me and my husband always get in fights about like, the trash can overflowing. And then sometimes you have to pay, like who would want a whole nother trash bin that you have to take mm-hmm. to the curb. And so I find that first of all, it like decreases the trash you have, which makes me feel better, but also you don't have to pay for another thing. Um, but the company that I use now, cause who I used to use in Raleigh, I think it was called compost now, if you live in that area and they come and pick mm-hmm. it up from your doorstep once a week, um, where I live now in Fort Worth, it's a company and they come to this farmer's market that I go to every Saturday and they come every two weeks. Um, and they, you can also put like cardboard, um, paper. So like mail, like envelopes, mm-hmm. um, as long as they say it doesn't have like embossing, like magazine wouldn't work, but that's how I do it now. And unfortunately I can't use it. Like a lot of the services, both of those services, the deal is like at the one point in the year, whatever you'd get a bunch of compost back. If you wanted to start a garden, um, it still just feels good in my soul to be doing it, but, um, <laughs> it's good if you ha- have a home and you don't want to maintain something like you that they do it for you and then they give it back. So you could use it as soil. Yeah. I see nutrition as like a cycle of nutrients, right? Like, yeah, we bring the nutrients in in our home through groceries, we try and use them by eating them. But if not, like they go to the compost to be used again. And in Mm -hmm. my case, in my garden, in your case, like someone else's garden, right? um, have the biggest bang for our buck too. So I hope all of these were helpful and maybe we'll have to go back and listen (laughs) again to the episode because it was full of information. Yes. No, I think it was really helpful. I think if anybody like I think they're really interesting and things that we don't normally talk about. So if anybody um, is interested in doing a deep dive in any of these things, um, please like comment below anywhere on anywhere we post, whether it's the reel or the YouTube video or the um, Instagram static post or anything like that um, to do a deep or dive in anything. We will um, 
have an associated blog post where anything that kind of Sarah mentioned that we might need to like start all this process to purchase so you could save money later on um, will be linked um, in a blog post. Um, and I just want to plug our email newsletter. We do like a weekly wrap every week where we put all the content we make because I know we have a lot of things going on all the time. So when you go to our website, it's the first thing that pops up. So make sure you sign up for that. But thank you so much for joining us today, Sarah. I think this was really helpful. Thanks for having me. See you again next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Millennial Nutritionist Podcast. For daily weight loss tips and nutrition information, you can find us on Instagram at the.millennial.nutritionist and on TikTok at millennial.nutritionist. If you find this information helpful, please subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend who needs encouragement on their health journey. See you in the next episode.